Are we gonna do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out cause we gotta run to make. Some say they like coast to coast, but on demand, raw and uncut interviews, and all without no ads. One says false and one says true And the Rachel Sink grows too America, America is here for you Stories from the listeners They sent to Graham He'll read them and be amazed But Darren may say no One says red and one says blue But if it's false it just won't do America, America is here Okay, guys, welcome to the Grimerica Road Trip Special, uh, or bonus, whatever you want to call it. We are in the scab lands of Washington State right now, and uh, yeah, we're, we might, well, I guess we're going to interview, we'll probably have some chats with Brad and... Um, Justin, maybe. Maybe Justin in the morning, yeah, if he comes to the hotel, we'll have Justin on for a bit. You guys know Justin. What the fuck is with your piece of shit fucking... Jesus Christ. You know, shut it off. Just shut it off. <laughs> I'm going to cancel this podcast. You should never drink regular. <laughs> I'm going to cancel it. It'll be fucking canceled. Because of Graham. Uh, Sean. So maybe we'll chat with Brad and Sean back at the hotel later. Whenever we stop driving. Uh, but first, well, as always, Graham. The, I got so many things. It could be Graham. Does this thing have to be on? Graham, I pissed four times to your one. Dunlop. I was going to say you have your mic on? I think so. Okay. Yeah, believe it or not, that's important. Uh, so here we are in the Scablons of Washington. We just kind of figured out what exactly they were. Well, I think Randall is here with Brad and them guys looking looking down. At yeah, it's a shame. Area. We missed Randall by one day. Yeah. So it's too bad. We should have just came last weekend. What stopped us? Nothing. No, I think I think we were busy or something. Yeah. I can't remember what came up. Anywho. Um, yeah, so we just missed Randall. I think uh, him and I think I'm not sure if Brian. I know Ed uh, Nightingale was here. And so was maybe Brian Lord. I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't think so. I think it was everyone but one, which would have only been Bill, because I know Bill's not here. Oh, okay. Anyway, Brad and them are still here, so we have been driving since around 7 a.m. This morning. Yeah, pretty much all day, but it's been fun. It's been 10 it hours. It went by really, really fast. 10 hours of driving. We had a bit of a scare at the border when the guys told us to pull aside and took our passports. Yeah. <laughs> we thought they were going to rip the car apart, but... Uh, it wasn't too bad. They, it's funny because they ripped the other guy's car apart, but not ours. And they found an apple yeah. in, the, in the Mercedes behind us. Tough luck, bud. You said you, you, said you had no fruit. <laughs> 
I wonder what they did to us. You know, it'd be funny to know what they did because we just had they to just, pull over. They ran something, and then they brought us out our passports and told us to continue on our merry way. Yeah. So obviously they didn't, you know, check out too much of the Grand America show. They did not find the podcast. My concern was that they would search our bags, and I have a whack of Grand America magnets <laughs> to post all over Washington and uh, give away or whatever, and. Uh, of course, our Moa is smoking a joint. Hey, there's a cop right there. Were you speeding? No. And so, you know, that just opens up a whole can of worms. Even though I am a registered medical marijuana user in Canada, and it's legal in Washington. Mind you, we weren't driving into Washington, though. We were driving into Idaho, where it's not legal. Yeah. But since then, we've been to Washington. Central. And Darren's... Uh, it's just on a giant billboard about going into an actual store and shopping. Yeah, we already did that. We just drove by a giant billboard that said Cannabis Central. Now we're not condoning drugs at all, but we do. I do think that there's healthy benefits to to pot. I'm in Washington, I so I am condoning any, drugs, and I don't partake anymore. It's not a drug here. It's just a fucking medicine. It's a what? No, it's recreational. It's recreation. So it's not. What do you mean? It's not called a drug? Uh, is it a drug when it's legal? Alcohol is a drug, but it's legal, so we don't call it a drug. No, so it doesn't have anything to do with the legality pot. of it. You now it's so? just pot. So what was your experience like the first time in this in a proper store with different... I was a little nervous. It was pretty modern, eh? It was pretty modern. Uh, there was people to help us right away as soon as we walked in. We had an associate um, asking us what we were into. Uh, and what did I end up getting? I ended up getting a gram of... Kush Dream 3. You're going to list it all out, are you? Which is a nice sativa. Um, what else? I can't remember. A Blue <laughs> Dream. A Lemon OG. <laughs> uh, blue Suede Shoes. Some Hard Candies. And, uh, yeah, so far it's been real pleasant. And then I smoked uh, my first legal joint between there and the health food, or there in the supermarket. And then as I got out of the car at the supermarket, walking to the supermarket, I was done. And then I kicked into the supermarket, which was an interesting experience. Because whether it's subconscious or not, and I've never been one to really be real uh, ashamed or worried worried about my my pot habit even before I was a medical user I just never really gave a fuck the only time I give a fuck is when I'm with my kids because then you know it's just not good but um, here I don't have to give a fuck so I know I reek like weed doesn't matter I'm not driving so I'm completely within the letter of the law right so that's been interesting it was a long time coming from the from the 20 years it's pretty fascinating how as soon as that the legalities opened up all these places popped open right and, and they're able to start fresh like modern wise like, well it's nice the here in the states and the, and the, the, the billboards and everything I, the, I don't the think way it'll they be like this in Canada up, right? why I don't know I just can't see it being the same the Americans always America's always been the wild wild west kind of when it comes to that kind of stuff right like you can buy fucking 40s at Jack Daniels in the supermarket too right you can't do that in Canada but how does that have to so do with... So I just think it's not going to be nearly as many dispensaries or anything like that. I think it'll be... 
It's a lot more free markety down here, you know what I mean? <clears throat> Compared to Canada, I think there's going to be so many hoops you have to jump through, it's going to be more like... There'll be like three or four as opposed yeah, to 20 exactly. kind of thing? There'll be, and what or, about the or specialized there'll be a, products there might inside, be a, like, There might be a bunch of different stores, but they're fucking all going to be from the same people. Instead of here where it's just a bunch of different little one-offs, it's just going to be like players, Demore. And they'll have all the different strains and stuff like that, but I think you'll just have a couple chains. And I just think that's the way Canada works. Right. I think we're almost worse in the States than that in a lot of... Uh, a lot of ways, yeah. In a lot of ways. But maybe that's just because it's marijuana, because I don't know that it's still like that. For what other industry could you say in America that's still like that? You know? I don't know, but the... Gas other... stations aren't <clears throat> like that anymore, you know? There was a time when all the gas stations were kind of different, or, you know, there was a lot more of them. Now you see, what, four different kinds in Canada? Shell, Petro-Canada, Fast Gas, Esso. Yeah, that's about it. There's not too many more than that. I'd say it's the same here for gas stations and supermarkets. No, but the other side of that is how lax we are with marijuana already, right? All over Canada. Like, you know, down here, they're much more strict unless it's legal. But up there, it's just a little more easy, right? That's right. Just keep talking. I'm texting with Brad. So I'm I'm interested to know when um, when other drugs become legal, like psilocybin. Hey, how do we get to exit 182 so fast? <clears throat> I don't know. I think you're fucking dreaming if you think psilocybin's going to be legal in our lifetime. Oh yeah, it's kind of it's coming up pretty. No, quick. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. No. <clears throat> yeah. No. So you think there'll be a store like that with all different strains of different psilocybin? No, because I don't formats? think I don't think mushrooms will be legal in our lifetime. I really don't. They should. It be. seems like we must be almost through the scablons now because there's like shit growing. <laughs> that was pretty weird. Little part of town, eh? Yeah. So it's like there's like this weird grass growing, and we were wondering why it wasn't green because before Spokane, everything was incredibly green. And in Spokane, everything was incredibly green. And then, as soon as we got out of Spokane, everything was just yellow. First it was yellow and pine trees, and now then it was just, like, yellow. And then you can see there's little outcrops of hill that is just, like, literally a layer of grass on top of rock. Because the water that fucking rushed through here. And see, I guess it's like, uh, everyone agrees that it was all from cataclysmic floods they just disagree on why randall says it's from asteroid impacts and they say it's from glacial dam bursts but there's nothing there it's just grass on top of rocks for fuck what a hundred miles yeah crazy tough place to eco to live in yeah you can't even really farm or anything there's some cows no yeah that's what i mean i think we're starting to get through it so, speaking of psilocybin and stuff, I do have a... I don't think it'll be legal. In I, I have a trip report that should... It's kind of proves... Uh, not doesn't prove it, but, you know. Sure. It shows of some... Oh, that's our exit. Fairly positive that's experiences. So, right now... Oh, okay. there's all the McDonald's's. Carl's Jr. Oh, the jalapeno poppers are so good. Okay. <clears throat> should, I, should I play this little trip report? You want to try... Uh, Using my voice, Gene, since I can't read. Yeah, wait. Let's let's make the exit before you start doing shit while you're driving. Okay, we'll just keep talking about that then. About what? Are we recording? Oh shit! No, just kidding. We're recording. 
So yeah, we are stateside. Uh, it doesn't look like we are going to do a whole lot more than drive this trip. So you know what? George is probably just pissed right now. I've been just yapping. And there's no guest. Oh, there might be guests later, but... Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. The Twitter fight? Yeah. Uh, well, it was just nothing. There was a tweet came out this morning that said... Uh, somebody was really annoyed by you? Somebody, yeah. People, there's a lot of people that don't like me. More people like Graham than me, and I'm okay with that. Um, I seen that coming, but it was a funny little, uh, a funny little back and forth. So we could run through it. So the tweet came through that said, "Darren is so annoying. I almost can't stand it. I want to skip the portions when he speaks, but I don't want to miss anything." And to which I replied, uh, "Ha ha, fucker, deal with it." And then I said, "If you support the show, I'll stop talking." And then uh, redacted, our buddy redacted, who's part of the UK posse, jumped in and said that if uh, he, if I stop talking, he's going to stop supporting the show. And then Ulysses, one of our bloggers, says he'll donate a dollar for every minute that I talk in the next show. And redacted has matched that. And then George says he'll donate if he can designate it as Team Graham. And then Redacted says he'll double that donation for a Team Darren shirt. And then, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he said he'll pledge, George says he'll pledge $100 if I can make a Team Graham shirt happen. And then Redacted says, will you let Darren speak once you've got your Team Graham miniskirt on? And the funny thing is, you can actually get Graham America miniskirts. You set that up? Uh, I don't think I've actually switched it on for anything, but I could, it's just a matter of switching it on and doing a little bit more designing. So if anyone does want a Grand American Am I going north here on 17? North on 17, yeah. <clears throat> so what else did they say about you interrupting with your your nonsense? That was pretty funny. Uh, then there was like, you think, blah, blah, blah. You, you think I'm the one with yeah. the nonsense? And, really and he says, no, because he steps on my esoteric roller coaster of wonderment with <laughs> nonsense. He should have called it a roller coaster of bewilderment. Roller coaster is a theme today. That yeah, could, that roller could, coaster is a theme. I didn't even notice that. So he said now, roller does that coaster. Change there. your mind on this? Does Darren Darren mentioned something no, about that's a roller why coaster? I had and roll- we drove by a roller coaster. So like, I was literally pushing like for the synchronicity. I was pushing for the synchronicity, and he's calling it a coincidence. So then, and it happened to me. That's my right. And he didn't realize that. No, I think that must be why I had roller coaster in my head. Oh, <laughs> what was the context? I said roller coaster in again. I don't remember anyways. That's, we can yeah, drop it. It doesn't matter. I wonder if that's why I had roller coaster in my head. So anyway, Nap's working on some shirt designs. Right on. Thanks, Nap. Yeah. So you could be able to get your Team Graham shirts, you fucks. So now we are, we almost, must almost, we're in Moses Lake right now. Oh, look, an old school water tower. You'd think there'd be more Indian shit around here, you know? Yeah, there's not really, eh? Or is this an, this is this like a, uh, huh? You know what? Yeah, we're driving through Moses Lake, so we're about, I guess, we're going to be checking out some caves, hopefully. Uh, on 17. Okay, should I should I get this trip report set up here? We'll try it on sure, the voice yeah, stream? Sure, yeah, let's do it. It's just kind of appropriate to our conversation today. And, and once again, like, we don't condrone. Condrone? Condrone? You I don't like condr- condrone things? <laughs> Condone. Condone the use of drugs and stuff. I don't actually even partake, but uh, but there, there's advocate. some healing benefits. 
There's some healing benefits. I advocate. So this and the guy says... You, that do you have a jingle for Trip Report? Handy? Yeah. You were supposed to get it already. I was supposed to get it already. <clears throat> it's 420. That's pretty coincidental, too. Here's a question. How does my iPad know the times change if it's in airplane mode? That is a good question. How much is that going to cost? <laughs> <laughs> it cost $50. There's 50 to bucks. In airplane mode. <laughs> we, I was too late. I waited too long. I, I Fuck. I bet you that was. You think so? No. You did it right away as soon as you turned it on. But how does it know? I mean, airplane mode must do, still do some sort of light. Okay, where? Uh, what am I doing? What jingle? Where am I going here? You're going just north. I thought we just had more time without having to worry about turns and stuff. Just keep going north, I okay. think. <clears throat> We're on 17 north, right? Stay on 17 yeah. north. Uh, what? What? Uh, All right, this is from our a new uh, first time we've heard from Ryan. I think he's a fairly new listener. We'll try it on the voice stream here. Not Ryan S. Hello, Grim and Darren. This is my first time spamming, but I've been a somewhat frequent listener for about six months. I've gone through most of your podcasts, even listening to the back catalog. Anyways, I was hoping you might read my trip report on your show about my experience one night with some friends on psilocybin mushrooms. It'll be a bit difficult to convey everything I would like to say, seeing as trips have many layers and dimensions to them. I will try my best. I was an avid partaker of mushrooms. My first time was with my best friend, and I had taken mushrooms ceremonially by myself many times, seeing as I trusted my own inner guide. I have had many good experiences communing with the infinite while on mushrooms. This trip was one of my most profound. The setting is my friend's side house, off of the main house where his parents live. Me and my friend had gotten magic mushrooms and were going to eat about two grams each. We took them with orange juice, seeing as vitamin C helps the high, or so untold. I put my half of the shrooms in the OJ and decided just to drink them while they were just a bit soggy, rather than eat them and wash them down with the juice. I had finished mine and saw that my friend was struggling with getting them down. He had about one and one quarter of his and gave me the rest. I felt fine eating the other three quarters of a gram because I had taken a full eighth before many a time. We decide to put on the album, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon to start getting into the trip. The effect of the mushrooms seemed to hit us at exactly the same time. The music played almost out of time, while also keeping its structure within time. We made it halfway through the album and decided that the music was fucking with us too much, so we decided to sit and chat about whatever came to mind. After a while of talking about our trips I got really paranoid because I heard a bunch of dogs barking for what seemed like hours on end. The snarling, the barking, the city sound of sirens and nightlife bustle. I had put myself in a fear mint state where I believed that the dogs were police dogs, ready to bust us for taking mushrooms. My friend reassured me that that was just me getting into my own head. I settled down and started to feel the shrooms kick up the trip a notch. I was watching pictures on the computer screen blend and some music was playing. I sensed something that I can't describe in any other way than I could smell the colors the screen was showing me. The music added an ambience that made the intensity of the colors smell increase. I tried to describe this to my friend, but it sounded to me like gibberish. 
he nodded to me, as if he was experiencing the same thing. We were tripping out about this, and when it subsided, we stood there pondering what could have caused the sensation. Something dawned on me. Life is a dream. A dream we never fully wake up to. Does that mean we never go to sleep? I was panicking again. I said that we had to stay awake for the rest of our lives, so as not to fall back asleep to ignorance. We stood in silence for what was probably about five minutes, an eternity in trip time. He said out of the silence, man, we can go to bed. We just have to fall asleep. So I was in the guest room on the side house when he went to his own room to sleep. I couldn't fall asleep. The ceiling looked so beautiful, with swirly patterns and dancing blue grays. I felt a presence in the room. I sit up with my feet dangling off the bed and sweep the room with my eyes. I didn't feel just one presence. It was as if many spiritual beings were there with me, sitting in a circle around my bed. They felt young, playful, inquisitive, almost intrigued by my reality and what I had to experience. I sat cross-legged and decided to invite all these spirits to listen. The room was very silent, attentive. All eyes were on me. I gave a history lesson. One that I made up, with convincing tales and accents from different languages about how settlers made their way in the world for it to become what it is today. I got a sense that my story of the world was appreciated, and I was asked to bow. I stood up and bowed, then danced, and then asked the spirits to dance with me. I felt like a young kid again, carefree and free as the wind. A greater presence grew on me. An overwhelming sense of wonder and a bit of fear was starting to form. The greater presence spoke to me. One that I swear could only be what I believe to be God. God told me that I am his child. That he loves me so much, and that even when I do harm, or judge, or anything hurtful, he will always love me. However, he doesn't take lightly to doing wrong. He made it clear to me that if I wasn't going to change my ways, I would doom myself to darkness, for lack of better words. To this, he gave me a chance to speak for myself. Why should I deserve to be saved? This was my chance to prove to God that I was worthy of his love. I spoke as if I had just done something despicable, and had to ask forgiveness from someone I had just hurt. I said that I honestly didn't deserve his love. I was ignorant of the fact that every moment is a new chance to change, to grow. I had been selfish, mean, unjust, and uncaring before. I felt everything wrong that I have ever done, and sat with the feeling that I had done all of this, and had to accept my punishment. I was feeling as though this acceptance was part of what was healing me. I needed to be fully present and fully stripped away, spiritually and physically. This next part is embarrassing, but still is a part of my story that I accepted. I stripped what clothes I had on and stood before God, asking for his forgiveness. I asked that I be cleansed of all my wrongdoings and shortly thereafter, I pissed myself in the middle of my friend's side house. I felt a heavenly presence wrap me in warm light, and it proceeded to cleanse me of the filth I stood in, spiritually and physically. I felt as if all the weight of the world was being taken from me. I was lighter, joyous, and filled with love. It was an appreciated kind of love. One that I knew happened because I was sincere with my plea. I was told that this gift that I was given was open for everyone on this planet. No one was exempt from God's forgiveness. No creature, man, animal, insect, etc. We all had this ever-present love and acceptance that we needed to open ourselves to, and open others to. Just like that, I was rid of all my sins, and forth came a vision. I never pictured anything like this before, but here I was, aware of my surroundings, but seeing a new world. One in which every atom of my being was love, spreading infinitely and expanding into every other animal, plant, and human on this planet. 
I knew that the way to salvation was to spread this love with every single being. This was the way to save the world. No one would be ashamed, because no one would judge. No one would be scared of someone else, because they could trust one another. No one would suffer because everyone took care of one another. This was the vision given to me by God. This was what my most powerful trip taught me. Sorry it's so long. I probably still didn't do it much justice, but I tried getting in as much detail as I could without sounding like some crazy guy on shrooms. Anyways, thank you for listening, and I hope maybe you could impart some of this message to your listeners around the world. It would mean so much to me. Peace, love, and light be with you. Right? Wow. Thanks, Ryan, for the email. Were you going to catch that, or were you just going to He said it was name? okay to read his name, too. He just said, if you wish, you could use Ryan M. So, anyways. I think he was saying, don't say his name. Anyways, we didn't say it. Well, you can say his name, Ryan, so. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, that he did a, a great one. job describing it. was very articulate. I mean, wow. And sorry we had to read it on the voice stream, but, you know, we're driving. and But I thought it was appropriate, because we're talking about all these other, you know, natural-style drugs, like... That's right. Meat and mushrooms and stuff. So, which will never be legal. Well, I mean, I mind you, I would have said the same thing about marijuana twenty years ago. So maybe we're twenty years away. Yeah, but they're already doing trials to help addicts with ibogaine and yeah, psilocybin and all kinds of stuff. That so, I mean, legal. It's legal to me is recreational. If you're saying I'm walking into a shop, it might be very stringently fucking. It'll be more if it ever did become medicinally available. It'd be more stringent than fucking like way the fuck more stringent than pot. It would be more stringent than oxycotton's and fucking fentanyl. It would be tough to get. I mean, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? We were just talking about that on the way in. Like oxy and fentanyl are, are big pharma legalized drugs, right? That's right. Fentanyl is a huge problem. They're in, in Winnipeg. They've got fentanyl. Fentanyl what? They found acid, fake acid. It was actually dipped in fentanyl, which is super addictive and killing people like crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Which to me is just a result of the drug war. You know? Because it's not... Because you can't get LSD anyplace else. Like, if it was someplace like fucking Portugal, and I don't quote me because I've never been there, but my understanding is you can buy everything legally. So if you want to get acid, there's a place to go get acid that's somehow federally regulated. Right. Yes. So people don't have to try and get the prescription stuff like oxy and fentanyl, and then yeah, well sell then there the isn't people market? selling. No, that's just people fucking trying to make a quick buck. Who gives a fuck? They don't think about the repercussions. I mean, people wouldn't be buying fucking sketchy drugs from street dealers. Right. They'd be buying it in, from someone who's been vetted. Right. But the legality also might increase the usage, so that's what people worry about, right? Like, f- friends of mine have worried about that for their kids and stuff, right? Like, that would increase the usage of drugs. Or make it seem like it was okay to do it. Whereas normally, if it wasn't legal, they might not do it. Yeah, that's the problem. But hey, that's the thing about a free society. I suppose it does, you got to decide if you want to actually live in an actual free society or if you want to live in a fucking someplace where where they can find it anyway. The government even if it's decides. Illegal, yeah, right? the government decides what's legal, and then it pushes the whole thing underground. So I would argue that your kids are less likely to get their hands on LSD if the only place you can get LSD is from a 
fucking pharmacy or whatever that's selling it and you need ID to be over 21. And if you get caught fucking giving LSD to a kid, you go to jail. So now kids can't buy LSD and nobody's dealing LSD on the street. There's not any money in it. The money in the market, so in a, in the market to selling to fucking people under 21, I would say, I would argue isn't enough to be worth the risk. You've taken, you know, probably 90% or 80% of your market away. So now you're selling drugs, the crime's still the same or worse, but the market, and the only market is kids. And you put money into awareness and, and because everyone, out for yeah, addiction because and all, you, you and tax the it. Yeah. And that money goes towards that shit. Right. Whereas, like, in Europe where they have a respect for alcohol, like, people can they drink wine with their family, and they, you can go out in the park and drink wine in the park. Like, you're not, you know, you can't even have a bottle of wine in the park in Canada. Yeah, that's right. And, and, so, I mean, and they have less fucking teen alcoholism and shit than we do. And then America's probably even worse because it's 21, and then they're, they're just binge drinking once they reach age, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. But what do I know? We're just speculating. I'm just speculating. Well, we've both been to the edge and back, so we've got a pretty good idea of what the culture's like. Yeah, personally, like that, yeah. I know, and that doesn't seem to be, I mean, it's probably not, we both come from it, but it's probably not the only culture in, in you know, young fucking adulthood, but well, I know it's definitely a very predominant one, you know what I mean? It's when I was partying, you know, it's not hard to find people to party with. There's a large pop section of the population, I would say 50%, that's drinking too much. Right, right. Way yeah. too much. And the problem about drugs is, like, from my experience, when I had a problem with it, it was I was quite ashamed, right? Like, I, I didn't want to tell anybody, right? I couldn't tell anybody. Like, I tried, I'd, my problem was I had to try to fix it on my, on my own, right? And then it just got worse and worse. So, I mean, that's, that's right. you know, if there's more acknowledgement of it and and uh, respect for it and less shame about it, it would be easier for people to discuss it. That's right. Like, I just had to hide it from everybody. I mean, that's my my issues as well. I guess I'm not blaming society for that. That's my own issue. But it definitely made it worse that I, you know, had that it was such it. a stigma, right? Uh, fucking little houses out in the middle of nowhere, right? Eh? weird to me so. anyways it's pretty heavy talk yeah I got out of hand quick while yeah. I'm smoking a joint thanks uh, thanks for the emails and yeah man I love hearing from people we got a couple more I'll save them for the next episode and we're sitting down in the studio ironically enough uh, we support the show yeah I won't say anything about that Go ahead. support the show I got a little out of hand at the fucking dispensary <laughs> <laughs> the Crimerica bills might bounce. No, no, that was that was it wasn't bad. What I spent seventy bucks, eighty bucks. Yeah, that's not bad for not my bad. first time. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't leaving tomorrow, <laughs> the fact that we're leaving in less than twenty four hours maybe makes it worse. But um, yeah, support the show. Crimerica.ca slash support help keep us ad free, sponsor free, bullshit free, and it also. Um, you know, when the bills are picked up by the uh, listeners, it leaves us free to do these little trips and stuff. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah. Thanks for your support. And there's lots of ways to get in touch with us. You can check out the show notes. Every single link is, is in the notes for how to contact us and also stuff we talked about, if we talked about anything. 
worthy of a link in the show notes. And by pay the bills, I mean just the podcast expenses, not yeah, not our bills, just, not our just bills, the fucking not fixed bills, bills and just from the, the studio. And the, because when I was shelling out a hundred and two hundred bucks a month, a month to pay for my podcast hobby, there was no uh, extra money for road trips. Yeah. Well, we squeezed yeah. out Paradigm. Yeah. That was before podcasting. No, not the third one. But we fucking drove there too. Fuck, we we drive. Yeah. Idiots. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I guess we'll be on with Brad and Glenn later and probably Justin too, hopefully, at some point. And then we'll. Justin uh, tomorrow morning. And then maybe. maybe we'll get back on here for another, like, thing at the end of the trip. Yeah, maybe on the ride home. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check back in in a while here. After all, he claimed he invented the internet. But if he's so smart, how come every internet address begins with W? W? Tell Tony Blair we're going alone. 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 Tell Tony, tell Tony. And I saw an airplane hit the tower. TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself. And I said, well, "There's one terrible pilot." And I saw an airplane hit the tower. TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself. And I said, well, "There's one terrible pilot." So we're here on our way to the, where are we going? Rock Lake and the uh, Cheney Palouse Gablands. That's right, we're going there. We're with uh, Brad Young, Graham. We are driving through the Scablands right now, and uh, we went and checked out some pretty cool shit yesterday. We checked out the Grand Coulee, the Dry Falls, climbed around Insider. Yeah, the 400 foot double cataract there in uh, Central Grand Coulee is, uh, you know, probably the biggest example on the planet of a recessional cataract, and. Uh, yeah, we took a nice hike down in there, didn't we, boys? And then Darren says, ooh, well, let's see if we can cut through that uh, gap right there for sunset. And perfect timing. Well, yeah. There was a sacrifice, though. There was a sacrifice made. Yeah, I did sacrifice my uh, hat that I won at the golf tournament last month to the uh, Cooley Gods. <laughs> oh, you won that hat? I won that hat in a golf tournament, yeah. And, well... It won another award for uh, flight time with the wind. It took it off your head. I think it was the longest putt. <laughs> the funny thing is, it wasn't even really that windy, you know? It's not like... Yeah, it was I windy. Said, I said yeah, to Lisa really and right away, she was like, what are you doing climbing on those rocks when it's that windy? But, you know, it was just like a weird gust it caught. One little thing that came through that gap right there, yeah. Maybe because it was a... You're right. Maybe because it was a warm wind. Like, you know, you think of it as windy when it's cold and you're cold, but it was a beautiful warm wind. Yeah, so anyway, someone will probably find that hat there soon, I'd imagine. Yeah, we got to meet up with our friend Justin, too, and his fiance. They're friends of the show. Justin helps out with the newsletter, and we, he was going to come with us down to, to the lake here, but we just didn't have the time. So we're, we're heading down here to check out some more stuff before we drive back. Thanks for breakfast, too, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Good stuff. <laughs> so we are, yeah, it's quite an uh, interesting landscape here, too, eh? It's almost like Arizona-y. 
Well, it's it's a desert, so a lot of Arizona is a desert. So yeah, it looks pretty similar. Just uh, a lot of scrubby grass and uh, not not too green, except little places uh, along the way. But yeah, within the Cheney Palouse Scablands here in eastern Washington, it's just been scoured clean down to the basalt bedrock. Um, you know, and it's so obvious now. You see. Uh, weather forecasts or any of these national satellite maps or even obviously on google earth and uh you know these braided channels of the huge catastrophic floods at the end of last ice age just become totally obvious um if you realize what you're looking at it it jumps right out at you uh but the thing is they're 20 miles across and you know about 50 miles long uh probably probably closer to 80 um all the way down, uh, ran into the Snake River in southern southeastern Washington. So yeah, we're gonna go check out this uh, scour trough. It's called. Uh, it's one of the larger ones uh, in Cheney Palouse that uh, holds Rock Lake. So just to backtrack a little bit too, Brad was down here with Randall Carlson and his crew, and they were doing some more sort of investigation and research in the into this thing. And so um, Brad's putting together. A lot of Randall's work uh, into sort of more of a, uh, you know, a digestible format, I guess. And uh, chunks, that's what I was thinking, digestible and, chunks. Yeah, di- digestible chunks. And then, so, but what's the, I have a question then that probably Randall asked, answered before, but like, as far as the mainstream view of this Missoula flood and what happened, like the, the glacier that broke... And and cause this compared to the sort of like this new theory that more of like a catastrophic event, uh, you know, of all these glaciers melting and flowing down here. What's the main difference in, in what happened then? Like not not taking into account what caused it, but the effect. The effect, like different like from the, the from many floods, many yeah yeah floods, yeah yeah the repeated ice dam formation. Oh, so it was a repeated versus, ice dam thing, well, right? That's the that's the going theory here. If I can pick out my road, there we are at Williams Lake Road. We are turning at the big Zanny's Western Bar and Grill sign for anybody out this way. <laughs> and there are American flags on everything, eh? A. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. Uh, yeah, Eastern Washington University's around here, so um, you may have some people that know these little hot spots out in the out in the trees, or the or the lack of trees. There's a definite lack of trees. It's funny. So, in Arizona, do you have the same sort of landscape where, like, if you go dig a hole in the desert in Arizona, do you hit lava rock pretty quick, or is that something different? Well, some places. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in that, but uh, but yeah, you definitely have basalt flows in, in Arizona, and, and this is very similar where we are here in the Scablands to uh, uh, what's called the Muggy on Rim uh, in central Arizona. Very, very similar features there. So, so, so back to that that sort of high, big yeah, picture yeah, thing. Like, yeah, so the the, the mainstream here. thing is is like uh, more of many floods and and many dam breaks, like uh, right, glacier correct. dam breaks so happening o- happening over a longer period of time. And now this new sort of theory and evidence is showing that it was one massive catastrophe or two. Well, yeah, it's hard to pin it just down to one, but it looks like there could be two or yeah, you know yeah. maybe as many as five, but right. not not all the same quantity or volume yeah um but the big the big problem is the the current theory that's been around for 50 60 years now is it's it's relying on this ice dam uh which was a lobe of the 
uh, Cordillera and Ice Sheet that came down into the Purcell Trench of the Idaho Panhandle, right? And blocked off the Clark Fork River Valley. And then uh, the, the river, you know, backed up into a huge lake. Uh, total about 550 cubic miles going down into uh, Missoula, Montana, and then up into the, the basins where Flathead Lake is, uh, and then south into the Bitterroot Mountains. So anyway, huge, huge bathtubs that held water. Um, but the problem is if it's, if it's 2,100 feet deep, that would make it the deepest lake on the continent held back by ice. And, and not just a little bit of ice, but what's supposed to be moving ice, right? And then the valley there is seven miles wide at the 2,100-foot deep level. So we're looking at Grand Coulee Dam the other day that's a mile wide and 500 feet high. You know, that's the biggest concrete structure on the, on the continent. And this ice dam would have had to have been about 10 times larger than that concrete dam. So how do you have a solid enough dam from moving ice that's got melted ice or, you know, a liquid lake right next to it? So that it, it doesn't make sense that you've got cold enough to have a growing, expanding, solid, solidified ice lobe, and then right next to it you've got all these huge quantities of water that could only be the result of meltwater or for some reason outrageous amounts of rain so the, the two ideas don't don't go together so there's problems from the beginning with the whole ice dam so there was a lobe there we don't dispute that um, and it would have blocked off the Clark Fork River Valley but the idea of it backing up a lake and then it's stagnating there for 50 to 100 years before it finally built up the pressure to break through the ice you know we have trouble believing that that would have happened one time much less 80 times right 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 yeah um, yeah yeah so yeah if there's ice coming off uh the the continental ice sheets in canada super glacial right over the ice uh, subglacial which which there's there's evidence of and uh we went and looked at some of that and apparently there's there's not really many studies being done on uh, the southern end of the rocky mountain trench that has huge drumlins uh, that are an erosional form that, that's, that they now recognize as being formed from uh, highly pressurized subglacial water flows. Um, so anyway, the, the Lake Missoula would have been a temporary lake from all that meltwater coming out of Canada. But it might have been, you know, for a couple weeks or, or less than that even, you know, not 50 years. Right. So it, it, it just, you know, it... It, it's hard to fathom how ice is is sufficient to hold back 2,000 feet deep of water because the calculations are that down at the base of it, you know, at zero, zero uh, bottom of the lake, almost 1,000 pounds per square inch pressure. So, you know, it's just it's, it's hard to fathom something 2,000 feet deep being held back by five-mile-wide chunk of ice. Yeah, and it's for any for any time period at all. Yeah, yeah. you would think you would see more. Um, like, I, I mean, I'm no expert on anything, but you'd think you would see more scarring then, like more scarring from the. You'd, you'd think you'd have chunks of ice that could be, you know, like a thousand feet by a thousand feet, a giant ice cube kind of roller coaster and down the. 
Maybe not, but you'd think you'd, like, all, all the trenches you see are kind of smooth, and you can tell it was kind of a liquid formation as opposed to a iceberg one. Oh, I'm not sure which of the trenches are smooth. I mean, they're extremely jagged, I think, for the most part. Um, and, and there would have been all kinds of material being moved within these flows. It would it would not, probably until until the later stages of it, be be something we could compare to water because there's just so many things in the landscape that would be getting stirred up and ripped apart and, and the initial wave you know could have been 100 feet 200 feet high you know so you just get the idea of all these trees being ripped up and just the whole landscape in front of this wave just exploding as it you know rushed downhill at 50 miles an hour potentially um you know you can see uh would that be the speed yeah, lots of places I think it would have been going, you know, just rolling forward, to, you know, 40 to 60 miles an hour. So we could technically outrun it. <laughs> technically on your... your thir- well, in the van. Thoroughbred horse. Oh, in the van? <laughs> yeah, we punch and run. Could you imagine that? Yeah, well, the interesting part is not only is that hard to fathom, but what else is hard to fathom, which the both mainstream the views and sort of these new things are accepting that the scablands that we were just driving through were under like 200 feet of water 13,000 or 11,500 years ago like which is really not too long ago we were you know we were under this was under a couple couple hundred extremely recent yeah it's like a hundred grandmas that's only the way I look at it a hundred grandmas is not long ago Uh Well, in the territory we're going through now, you know, there's these elongated hills that were shaped by the flowing water. And uh, there's lots of places where they found uh, high water marks. So, I mean, they can they can tell what the depth of the water was flowing through these places. Um, is that what you're talking about, Darren, about the roundness then is what we're seeing here? Like more of that? Yeah, that's than- right. It looks more like a smooth transition like you get at the bottom of uh, like sand ripples almost. Kind of like, uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to see where we where we're heading later too, because I think that has you know it just kind of looks like the bottom of a sandy beach in the Caribbean, except on a much grander scale. Over at Steptoe Butte, uh, there, there's lots of rolling hills. They call them the Rolling Palouse Hills, uh, which is around the Palouse River. Uh, again, eastern Washington it flows right into the. Cheney Palouse Gablins here, and that, you know, if, if we had more time, that's somewhere we would go get to, where, where the uh, Palouse River runs right into this Gabland tract. Um, there's some there's some very uh, obvious water-shaped forms there, and uh, that was one of the places that the, the first researcher that really pioneered this work across the Gablands, J. Harlan Bretz, uh, you know, 100 years ago was out here walking the land with his students out of Chicago and with his family and, you know, sometimes on a horse or on a jalopy, you know, there weren't any roads or trails uh, much at all, but they, he spent 20 years traversing the territory out here and making maps and uh, trying to convince people that it's only the possibility would be the result of a huge flood and a whole lot of his colleagues resisted that but they never came out here to witness it and identify the the features themselves. But once they finally showed up, uh, even the most staunch uh, detractors, you know, changed their ideas and said, well, how could we have been so wrong? 
Do you, do you think we're close to? Uh, do you think we'll see another uh, another aha moment like that here in our lifetime? I, I think the shift's underway now, as as the evidence compiles, that they start have started to recognize. Uh, what the features are caused from here in this area of Washington where it's most uh, most prolifically displayed you know more than anywhere on the planet um, that oh is that what that's from that's from a, a subglacial outburst flood well, we've got those in Wisconsin well, we got those in New York we got those in uh, northern Europe you know so now that they know what they are they're starting to recognize them in many places and and uh, the big picture of such a big event you know it's gone beyond the regional northwest pacific northwest scablands it's gone beyond the continent of the whole north america at the uh terminus of the ice sheet across the across the canada u.s border basically um it's now including northern europe uh, uh the english channel is a result of, of catastrophic flooding it now looks like now that they've got these uh you know, bathymetric studies that show the topography under the water, it, it looks identical to the scablands out here, the, to Grand Coulee. Um, so we, we have to make that leap from a, a local flood or a regional event to, yeah, occasionally the planet goes through uh, sudden catastrophic destructive phases, and then it chills out, and, you know, it's pretty mellow and uniform for thousands of years. So that's that's kind of what we're in right now. We're in this uh, Holocene that uh, is is the most recent era we're in our epic and uh, we're kind of deluded by the the calmness and the stability that it's shown even though even though it hasn't really been if you look at the the temperature graphs uh, there's been little ice ages there's been uh, there's been warming periods that are warmer than this too yeah, right six, I mean we're six, still not even at the warmest uh, yeah yeah it was, point. It was quite warm. <laughs> Uh, the climatic optimum, they, they call it. Uh, you know, beautiful time, the potential, you know, Garden of Eden kind of earth where after this destruction, uh, things started to be rebuilt and we started to repopulate the planet. Um, you know, there's a good chance that we, as, as humans, came close to being extinct also with all, along with all these other huge animals. Uh, all the different uh, species of protobasidians, you know, the, the elephant-type creatures like the mammoths and the mastodons. And then you got the... And this is something Randall, you know, just totally loves to get into because he always loved dinosaurs. So to learn later that there was a whole other level of huge beasts that also went extinct, but, you know, extremely recently, that was, that was really something that drove him early to get into this. Uh, and the first time I heard him present, he got, he got kind of totally lost in that description of the you know all the animals that that are now gone that used to be right here used to be all over this continent um 600 pound beavers and uh armadillos the size of you know volkswagen bugs and uh you know bears that stand 12 feet tall and these 16 feet tall ground sloths and just you know all this stuff is gone and and we find out more as the dating gets better and uh evidence compiles it pretty much the exact same time 13,000 years ago uh, Graham Hancock likes to pin it right down into 12,900 um, and then that brings in all kinds of other ideas of, well that's the dating that Plato put on the sinking of Atlantis 
so it, it opens up a whole new potential history of our you know of our species back here that yeah. some of us managed to live through this this great recent destruction and, oh. and honestly that's what that's what the legends of indigenous cultures around the globe say you know our people are are descended from the survivors of a great catastrophe yeah yeah and that's, then there's also the that's worldwide sites like gobekli tepe and and Ginung padang and maybe even easter island or whatever maybe some remnants of pre pre catastrophic time yeah absolutely uh yeah very curious to find out what what else they're going to learn about uh uh, Gunung Padang there. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, uh, you know, totally interesting side that looks like it could be a pyramid 25,000 years old. So, yeah. you know, that goes back to um, a great year cycle ago, 25,920 years, yeah. uh, which there was a, a, a mass extinction on the Australian continent uh, at that time. And then uh, that's also some of the more recent dating of the impact structure in uh, Winslow, Arizona. They, they've quoted a long time that that's 50,000 years ago, but some of the more recent studies suggest that it was half of that, you know, possibly, oh, wow. possibly 25 or 26,000 years. Is that the one that's about a couple hours uh, north of Sedona, kind of? Right, right. It's about a mile wide? Yep, it's a mile wide, 600 feet deep. Um, Have you ever been there? Yeah, we've been there several times. And so they're saying that might have been that might have been like twenty five, twenty six thousand years ago. Correct. Yeah. Around that, which would have fit in with that uh, catastrophe before the the one that we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, the timeline ran again. Randall Carlson has created. I've been working with him since ninety seven. Uh, we made the first trip out here in ninety eight. Wow. So yeah, coming up on twenty years, we've been doing this together. Uh, but he's made a very convincing timeline. Um, because he's he's gathered the evidence for all these uh, catastrophes that have occurred, um, and basically just in the last two hundred fifty thousand years, even which is about as far back as they've identified modern humans go. So that's kind of been his parameter for making his timeline. Okay, well, in the time that modern humans have been here, how many of these catastrophes uh, that could have potentially wiped out our species occurred and. I'd say three fourths of those that he's that he's plotted out on the on the timeline chart match very consistently uh, the cycle or the half cycle of the great year. So very consistently, thirteen thousand years or twenty six thousand year. Uh, there seems there seems to be some major event. Um, and, That's and, the bad, and the bad news with that is that we're due. We're, we were right on it again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a couple of comments just whipped by that we didn't even see coming. <laughs> Is that what that was? I was focused on the road. I... No, I seen uh, no, I seen an article the other day that said it was the second, it was the second asteroid in a week that had traveled within so far of Earth, closer than the moon, or something like that, and we only seen it like three days prior. Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about the jets flying over here. You know, sometimes they look like a comet, and you kind of hope, "Ooh, is that going to explode?" Um, yeah, I, I've heard that news, but I haven't studied it. We've been we've been deep into this road trip and uh, got all kinds of footage and videos, and we've been flying a drone. So I've been tied up with the with the events at hand, and uh, yeah, I'm anxious to follow up on that because that that that's the more likely situation, honestly, at this point that we're not going to see it coming. So how do you, 
what uh, I suppose what what ast- astrophysically could explain for that? Like, is that would that lead to precession being more of uh, an orbit around Galactic something? Thing? Where like we're or it's us being maybe our stars also our solar systems orbiting another something or else, so we're traveling through, we're crossing a plane or. There's so much speculation on that, Darren. I, I don't know that there's anything, uh, you know, totally affirmative on it. Um, Ed Nightingale has traveled with us last year and, and was on the podcast with us after that trip, uh, came along with us this year, too, and uh, trying to trying to get everybody initiated into his ideas. And, and there, there may be something real uh, substantial within the work that he's doing that puts more... Uh, science to the you know the astrophysics of what may be happening with the uh, trajectory of our our sun and our solar system how it how it interacts with cosmic debris or solar cycles uh, you know a, a, a different idea of what precession actually is uh, related to the whole solar system and not just the wobble of, of our planet yeah that's interesting yeah because I can't remember who we talked to but we've talked to a couple different people now that um, talked about the idea of the precession that we witnessed not being um, not being a result of earth wobbling but a result of our entire solar system kind of in a little mini orbit with something else and that's what's causing the anomaly that's a that's a perspective I think definitely worth pursuing and, and trying to see what of the evidence makes sense um we, we're, we're such infants really about studying what's beyond us uh outside this planet it kind of well, it seems like we got it all figured out if you ask neil degrasse tyson we've got this like sorted well let's go ask him we, uh, he doesn't answer <laughs> he won't answer. well we'll put in a special call tell him randall carlson's on the line there we go. I wonder if he'd take the call. We got, we, got a, we got a cosmic catastrophe issue we need to be discussing here on a big scale. So that would just kind of be it, eh? Like, just fucking no more Grimerica, no more bumping into each other in Washington. It'd just be like, you know, because, I mean, even on a small scale, if anything like that happens, like global communication, everything's gone, right? Most likely, you're going to have a disruption of, of satellite services, which so many things count on right now. So, yeah, you got you got to expect the worst. No power, no communication, uh, no food distribution. Sunlight. Um, yeah, potentially no sunlight. Yeah, but that 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 may not be a you know a planet wide situation, and and not not hopefully, but you know, unfortunately, that may be what it takes. And I think a lot of people are saying that at this point. You know that they're they're foreseeing some sort of impact or airburst explosive event that's going to end up being over a populated city or region and uh, you know going to have some widespread effect that's that's finally going to make us realize hey this is a real issue this is not some fantasy sci-fi uh, program you know this is this is the state of the earth in the cosmos. Well, I read uh, I've read before that if you took every human settlement on earth and like pushed it into one big urban development it would only cover less than one percent of the planet's surface so if you think like um the events that we have seen 
like the, the the one in Russia being the the one I can think of that comes to mind. But how many are popping off over the ocean or over places in Africa where no one's got a phone or no one cares or you know what I mean? Like like maybe that could be happening literally, you know, a couple of times a month or a couple of times a year at least without anyone without a human knowing. They've 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 got their listening posts out there and uh, in the atmosphere. Lots of times they're trying to identify where a nuclear test might be and uh some some of this information came out i guess just with just within this year um about how many explosive detonations they have identified in the atmosphere uh and it's it's way more than anybody would be comfortable with do you know a number i i can't remember i think it's in the in the hundreds though it'd be interesting if we really realized that just in the last 20 years Every 13,000 years or so that we do, as a solar system, go through some sort of galactic uh, asteroid belt, and, and they just pelt to Earth every 13,000 years. Like, I wonder if we can go back and and see evidence of that over time, like Randall's doing. You know, maybe even goes back further. But maybe they knew that, and that's why they're covering up Gobekli Tepe and all these things. Like, it's, it's fascinating. Like, you can almost picture that that happening. It it does it does seem that there's a suppression of of the information that you think that would really help a lot of people discover more about the the history and the state of the planet. Um, why that is, I, I can't quite explain. Um, you know, we need to all live on this rock together, but it, that's that's really one of the bigger missions and uh, purpose of publicizing the ideas that that we live on a catastrophically vulnerable planet. Um, that all our eggs are in the same basket here. We need to, we need to branch out. We need to uh, be moving into space. Whether whether that takes form of orbiting cities, uh, you know, bases on the moon. Which, God, it sure does seem like that kind of thing's already happening or possible for sure. Now that they they're recognizing that there are huge, you know, mile wide caverns inside, you know, the surface of the moon. Uh, that whole cities could could be built in and, and perhaps already are in some ways because all the uh, you know flashing lights they find and outgassings and water vapors and uh, lunar other uh, quote lunar transient phenomena uh, that people have have you know really gotten uh, images of through their their uh, just watching and uh, having the tel- telescopes targeted to to the moon just in case those things happen. They have been seen regularly. Really? Uh, you know, and that doesn't get into all the people that are studying the uh, the Clementine images and, uh, you know, all the things that are showing anomalies that look like they're structures on the surface of the moon. Um, Alien? Well, aliens. Uh, Putting words in your mouth? Uh, aliens a charged word. I'll say that. Right on. Well, maybe we should leave it there, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. We're pulling into Rock Lake here now, so maybe we will. We'll be back. Maybe we won't. And that was our uh, recordings. I think they probably turned out all right from our little road trip, road trip to Washington, which was just that a whole shitload of driving. Yeah, we got some pics on Instagram actually. If people want to check it out. Is there? I should make. Is there an easy link for that? Oh, it's only. It's, on the, it's in the show notes. <laughs> Everything is in the show notes. <laughs>
Yeah, that was fun, man. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it more in in the intro to the episode that came out before this. I think, right? We'll keep this short and sweet. Yeah, just yeah, a big it was thanks a great to trip. Big, Brad Young and big thanks to Brad Young, Cosmic Rex, Justin for buying us breakfast yeah, and driving and all his, that way, and his fiance. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. And uh, yeah, check that shit out if you're in the area. If you are in Washington or Portland, that's really you should just go do it this week. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, Dry Falls in the Grand Coulee, right? Wow, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Check out grammarica.ca slash support for all the different options on how you can keep us plugging these podcasts out in the back catalog free, no ads, no bullshit. Uh, sign up for a buck a month and uh, you can move up from there all the way up to 30 bucks a month. Do a one-time donation if you if you prefer. Uh, review the show, spam gram, sign up for the newsletter and tell your friends about this motherfucker. Is that it? Yeah, that's it, man. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll have another road trip someday. So. Yeah, I hope so. That was fun. We'll do it again.
just a mirror for the sun. Synchronicities all over the web, and Aaron is skeptical about everyone, and don't believe it yet. 